0: You're listening to The Passing Shot, the tennis catch up podcast serving you with the latest news, gossip, and results from the ATP and WTA circuit and British tennis. Ready? Play. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Passing Shots. Um, this is Joel here, and this week we're going to be looking, uh, looking back at what's been going on um, over the last uh, week or so in in the tennis world. Um, sadly, uh, Kim's not able to join us; she's on holiday at the moment, so uh, you'll just uh, have to put up with my with my views and my opinions um, over the next kind of 15, 20 minutes. Uh, as I say, kind of looking back um, on what's been going on on the ATP um, and WTA circuit. So, first of all, we'll just kind of do a quick uh, results roundup. Um, a lot of tournaments going, going on around the world. Um, obviously, after Wimbledon, it's now traditionally known as kind of the, you know, building on the, the hard court season, you know, looking towards the US Open. But we're in that kind of funny time when um, there's hard court tournaments going on, but also kind of clay court tournaments as well. Um, so you've got Hamburg uh, on the ATP circuit, which is a clay tournament. Uh, gestad as well in sweden uh, which is a clay tournament and then you've got atlanta um, which is a hardcore tournament obviously in the states and then in the wta circuit we have moscow um, which is another clay tournament um, and nanchang as well in asia uh, which is a hardcore tournament so let's just go through um, each of them one by one um, starting with hamburg now um, you 'll see a kind of recurring theme here when looking back at kind of the the winners of the week and you know starting in Hamburg you know Dominic team went into it as the top seed um you know obviously a very strong clay court player you know arguably kind of second best clay court player you know in the world at the moment um but he um you know he fell to nicholas yarry who's this kind of up up and coming Chilean youngster and it was kind of the same kind of situation for a lot of the seeds and by the time we got to the semi-finals we had some really unfancy players um, you know, getting through to the later rounds. So the semi-finals we had um, Georgian Basilashvili. uh we had Yari, um, obviously who beat uh, team um, earlier, um, Leonardo Maya, and um, Joseph Kovalec. Um and in those kind of semi-finals the uh, two finalists were Basilashvili um and um and Meyer with Vili winning six four, love six seven five. Um and for him that was um his first ever ATP title I believe, and um not surprisingly also um the first ever tennis uh, title by a Georgian player um, so well done to Basslash Vili. interesting kind of quirk um, for him going through the tournament um, he had this kind of tendency to be losing um, middle sets 6-1 and 6-love and, and so as I said in the final he won 6-4 love 6-7-5 which is a bit of an odd scoreline um, and then earlier in the week he beat um, Kohlschreiber again losing the losing a set 6-1 and then he also lost um, a set to Yari in the semi-final, Six Love. So a bit of an odd, um, yeah, kind of a bit, bit odd um, in that respect. But uh, well done to Bass um, I guess actually the fi- other final quirk of the tournament, which I spotted on, on social media, people were keen to point out that in the qualifying round, in the second round of qualifying, uh, Joseph um, Kovalec played Thiago Montero. And then in the Hamburg quarterfinal, um, Joseph Kovelik again played Tiago Tiago Montero. Um, so again, kind of a bit of an oddball situation where obviously someone must have pulled out, and um, you know Montero got through. But um, yeah, very very very, um, very funny for the kind of statisticians out there. Uh, moving on to clay. So in Gistad, um in Sweden. Again, very similar story of less heralded players making it through um, at the expense of higher seeds. Um, the top seed here was Fabio Fognini, who went to the tournament, lost his first match um, to Estonian qualifier Jürgen Zott. Um, similar case also for Borna Koric and Rublev, who I think is just coming back from, who's just coming back from injury. And again, we had um, a few players make it through to the later stages to the semi-finals who, you know, quite un- unfancied and maybe unheralded going into the tournament. So we had um, Lucas Yer and Berrettini from Italy. Um, now, these are kind of, these are players who are, you know, what you'd class as next-gen. You know, they're up and coming. Um, Berettini is a 22-year-old um, Italian. And in the final, he faced uh, Batista Agut. Um, who was the second seed, uh with Berrettini winning seven six six four um six sorry, seven six yeah, seven six six four. Um so that will do him a, a world of good. He's currently ranked eighty four in the world at the moment, but um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of um a lot of potential. Um be interesting to see if, you know, obviously on Clay, um whether he can kind of take that, you know, take that um you know, take that performance on clay um, to the, you know, to the hard courts of America. And speaking of the hard courts of America, um, we had our first tournament in the US Open series, um, which was Atlanta. Now, Atlanta is to John Isner what Haller is to Federer and Monte Carlo is to Nadal. He has a crazy crazy good record there Um, so it was kind of no surprise when by the end of the week guess what John Isner was in the final Um, a few stats that was his eighth final in a row Um, and going into the final he has a 30 uh, 30 to 4 win loss ratio record at the event Um, having been to the final and won the title four of the last five years um, so really, um, it was almost kind of expected, almost like a given that he was going to, you know, get, get to the final, um, especially after you know doing performing so well um, at Wimbledon, um, obviously continuing on that form. In the bottom half, um, we had um, again kind of uh, kind of Americans kind of dominating, um, with Ryan Harrison um, coming through um, all the way to the final um the only yeah, the other thing that was kind of interesting from the tournament um kind of veteran uh mikhail Yuzhny announced that um, he was going to retire this season um and um, there was a reheated match between Baghdartis and tfo um, which needed the umpire to step in um before it got even more um even more uh with, well, with the players bit almost coming to blows um so in the final, Isner um, Isner won the title um, and beat um, Ryan Harrison. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah. So um, so that was Isner kind of wrapping up um, Atlanta um, Berrettini in Gustad and um, and Basilashvili, um, in Hamburg. Uh so moving on to the women's so in the WTA tour um so kind of the big um event uh this week um was in Moscow um and um you know the, I I don't think the draw was as strong as it could have been um the top seed was um Julia Gerges um but she um she kind of she, again she kind of lost in in one of the earlier rounds and you know getting to the final we had Two players. We had Olga Danilovich, um, who was a lucky loser of all things. Um, So obviously making good, making the most of her good fortune um, to get all the way to the final, beating Gerges along the way. Um, And then we had Anastasia Potopova, who um, was a Russian wildcard going into the event. Into the event, ranked outside the top two hundred. but um, as a junior, 17 years old, um, you know, was obviously looking to make the most of um, her opportunity. Crazy thing about this final between Danilovic and Potopova was that both finalists, born in 2001, um, which I don't think um, has happened before on the WTA tour. So obviously two very young uh, finalists, very new experiences to them um and danilović uh won um seven five six seven six four and um again another kind of kind of crazy stat to go with it is that was danilović's main draw debut um and she was the first person to win on a main draw debut since 2001 um So, yeah, so very, um, so well done to Danilevich. um, Wild card winning um, WTA Moscow. And, yeah. um, And then finally in Nanchang, um, we had Qian Wang um, coming through to the final as the second seed, um, who faced the fifth seed, uh, Sai Sai Zheng, um, with Wang winning winning, um, 7-5 for love, um, with a retirement um, So yeah, so lots of So lots of uh, tournaments going on Last week, all around the world um, And I guess a lot of You know, if there's one Take out from it, I think it's clear that You know, in these events That are straight after Grand Slams There's a lot of opportunities for um, You know, for I guess Lower ranked players or players You may not have heard of before um, Able to make You um, up some ranking points and you know some prize money, um, and we saw some yes yeah, some uh, debut you know, some debut title victories um, along the way. So uh, good on them. So moving on to Brits on tour, where we look at um, all the kind of the British performances of the week and if there were kind of any standouts. Um, I've kind of picked up on two. So first of all, on the ATP tour, um, we had Cameron Norrie. Um, in Atlanta Um, and he gave a very creditable um, performance of himself Um, he beat Malik Yaziri uh, Jeremy Shardy, and then to top that all off um, Kyrgios as well uh, to make the semi-finals in Atlanta where he lost to Ryan Harrison um, after taking the first set so again kind of great to see that progression from um, Norrie to show that um, he belongs um, on the ATP tour um, and racking up um, these wins against kind of um against players who um you know have been on you know who' been you know the tour um you know for, for you know for 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 a while now um and i i think what particularly impressed me was his you know victory against Kyrios. um I, you know a lot of people are you know highlighting at the moment that Kyrios is doing all these imitations of people's first serves like uh, Federer uh, and I think I saw Roddick as well Um, so it was kind of good to see that um, Norrie just stuck to his own game plan didn't let any of these antics kind of um, cloud his um, you know his performance on court um, and he was able to kind of you know get through um, quite a tight first set and then ran away with it in, in in the second set um so yeah, so that was a, a good a good plus for, for British tennis. Um, and then also um, in the Challenger Tour circuit, um, we had Jay Clark as well in Bingminton. Um, so there are a lot of actually there are actually a lot of Brits in the Bingminton Challenger. Um, we had uh, so we had Clark, we had Alex Ward, Dan Evans, Jay Clark, and Liam Brody. Um, but yeah, Jay Clark um, managed to get to the final um, and win the tournament. Um he beat ta- former top fifty player uh, Marcel Granolas along the way. Um and I think now that means he um breaks into um the top uh, two hundred for the first time, um which is very promising. Um I think it was his birthday as well over the um event, so uh it was a nice uh, birthday present, um a nice birthday present for him. Um so uh he's obviously you know, he obviously got that experience at Wimbledon. Um, you know, he's won his first. Uh, you know, he's won his. He won his first main draw match, um, and then also got to the semi-finals in the mixed doubles. So it's great to see him building on that momentum and, and taking it to the challenger circuit. Um, you know, I guess obviously a question um, in the future will be: Can he translate it then? Onto the main circuit, onto the ATP circuit, but you know he's got a lot of time on his side, and he just needs to stick at what he's doing, um, and kind of rack up those victories on the on the Challenger circuit, um, and see if he can um, take that into, you know, into into the US Open um, with a bit of momentum, um, and look at you know trying to secure, yeah, his place at the at the US Open. Um, so, so those were kind of two, you know, two you know, two creditable performances um, in in British tennis. Um, moving on to scoreboard stories, where we highlight um, like an interesting um, stat um, or, or you know statistic from from the week. Um, the one I wanted to highlight was between in a match between Matt Ebden um, and John Isner in Atlanta. Um, Isner won the match, um, but I just wanted to highlight that in the third set, Ebden served at six percent first serves in. Um, unsurprisingly, he lost that set six one. Um, but I just thought that was I thought that was just a crazy statistic. However, my friend did point out to me that you could spin that sat and say he actually won um, well, you know one hundred percent of his points when the first serve went in it's just that only one serve went in in that set um but yeah thought that was quite funny um and then yeah moving on to gossip alley uh, where we kind of look at um all the things going on, on on social media in the week um it was interesting to see that photos surfaced um of zverev um hitting uh with even lendl in tampa um unsure obviously if it's a you know one-off thing or you know, whether there's an a potentially an agreement going forward that um, you know, Lendl could be his coach. Um, but that would be a very interesting uh prospect if it did. Um, you know, everyone is saying that um you know Zverev is the sort of guy who, you know, is doing well on the tour, but when it comes to the Grand Slams, he's obviously got this, you know, mental block that's stopping him get to you know the late latter stages, um, and if he brought on someone like Lendl, someone who is a former Grand Slam champion, um, obviously been there as a coach as well with Andy Murray, um, it would do him, you know, world of good. Perhaps in in um, breaking that, you know, that block he has um, about you know going deeper into into Grand Slam tournaments. So it'd be interesting to see if that um, develops or if that is just a truly a, a, a one off. Um, and then finally, any other business? So um, just f- finally, yeah, looking at um, earlier this week, well, earlier last week in the news, um, Serena Williams came out um, on social media frustrated about the amount of drug tests she had. Um, her tweet said, And it's that time of the day to get randomly drug tested and only test Serena. Out of all players, it's been proven I'm the one getting tested the most. Discrimination? I think so. At least I'll be keeping the sport clean. It's very interesting here. Obviously, she's feels that she's being uh, discriminated against um, for um, when it comes to to drug testing, um, and also the fact that she claims that she's the highest um, person tested on tour. Um, it kind of later transpired which uh, which was again interesting is that most tested US tennis players by the USADA um there are actually four players who've been tested uh, more than Serena Williams um they are John Isner Venus Williams Mike Bryan and Bob Bryan um and if we look at the numbers Serena Williams has been tested 41 times um, by the us ada compare that to the top person bob bryan who's been tested 56 times um which is you know which is um you know there's obviously a, a difference there but to but to serena's point um i think up until that moment in the year um she was uh, the highest tested but the, um there are now uh, a couple of I think uh, and a couple of other people who have been tested the same amount as her as well um but yeah interesting to see Bob Bryan most tested US US tennis player um he actually he actually tweeted shout out to my US ADA agent John who has been to my parents uh to my to my house more than my parents and who has seen my nuts more than my wife um so yeah just a little insight there I guess on um the drug tests and you know the tests that uh, tennis players have to go through and the privacy, I guess, that they have and how it's kind of you know it's it could be I guess quite personal. Um, so yeah, so that kind of just wraps it up for um, the last kind of uh, week or so on the ATP um, and WTA tours. Um, next time you hear from us, it will be me uh, and Kim, and we'll be looking. Uh, looking back at the uh, at the Canadian Masters, so the Rogers Cup um, in Toronto and um, in Toronto and uh, Montreal, um, and we'll also be looking at how uh, Andy Murray is doing on his comeback um, in Washington um, as well. So until next time, um, I've been Joel, um, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Passing Shot. If you enjoyed that, don’t forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. And remember to follow us on social media. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news: Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, where all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free